to the Coach V Show. Your show and Hollywood show, in fact, for personal development with expert insights and interviews to help you, me, and we work to be our best and live our best life where iron sharpens iron. Together we rise here on the island city where the beach meets the streets. Today, I am juiced to have one of the most iconic, really, in my mind, of the three female leaders that are Tongan and have Tongan roots, really nationally, and Miss Susie Felch Malohifofo'o, the CEO of PICTAR, Pacific Island Knowledge to Action Resource, a five-year strength-based 501c3 community-based ecosystem of empowering events, programs, and services. PIC Pick to two AR PICTAR focuses on empowering living, economic impact, preserving and perpetuating all Pacific Island cultures with dignity, hope, and for self-determination. They create alliances and bridge communities culturally with relevant education, resources, support, opportunities, and connections to improve the whole health of communities one person at a time from the inside out. Susie has a diverse background of experiences in corporate, small businesses and nonprofit work, coupled with her lived and lived experiences as a survivor of sexual assault and domestic violence, and as a serial entrepreneur living with mental illness and as an ex-felon, who has received an FBI Community Leader Award for the state of Utah in 2019 and helps her create structures. People can succeed in and empower themselves to their own higher ground. Susie uh, is the parents, Susie's parents are Brent and Carol. Say the last name uh, of, your, of your parents, Susie. Felch. Yeah. Felch. Felch, who worked for the LDS Church where Brent managed the church, church's coconut plantation. Numate and moved from Tonga to New Zealand when Susie was five years old. After traveling the world with her family, she moved to the U.S. at 13 years old, graduated high school from Vernal, Utah, where her dad worked as a judge. Susie was introduced to her ethnic Tongan community when attending college, playing volleyball in Northern California for two years at Pacifica High School, or Pacifica, correct, Susie? Pacifica yes. College. Susie is an avid learner and an, an active in the community serves currently as Utah's Public Health Association's Community Health Worker Section Chair on the Salt Lake, uh, Salt Lake County Domestic Violence Coalition Executive Board, the Salt Lake County's CODA Business Subcommittee and co-founder of Living Color Utah. And this month, appointed by the governor of Utah's Food Security Task Force, representing refugees and immigrant communities. Susie is a mentor, sharing her unique life experiences, continually coding and switching to empower and navigate a multicultural, multi-ethnic world for herself and those around her. I am super juiced and excited to have the Miss Susie of Utah here on the Coach V Show. Susie, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, I am way honored. Like, 
for you to ask me to be on your show. I thought it was for the special people in this world. And so I am really, really honored to be here today with you. You are one of the special, unique people. Uh, just before starting this interview, all of the people it is that I know that are in your category are really Mount Rushmore of Tongan women um, that really lead and do so much for our community. So on behalf of our community and everyone here that's part of Island City and as well as the Coach V Show production team, thank you for your time and shout out to your husband, the OG, Mr. Simi himself. Susie, introduce us to who Miss Susie is um, and your genesis point and how all of this that I just talked about in your introduction came to be the servant leadership that you self-subscribe and self-define yourself as, as doing every day. What is your genesis point, Miss Susie? Where do we start? So I was born in Tonga. I was okay. born, um, my parents are Deva Bloomfield from, from Padai, mm -hmm. and my mother is Talaita Vaitai Havili from Daunga, Bavau, and uh, grew up on a coconut plantation that was from the LDS church. That is how the church supported um, Liahona. And so I was adopted when I was three years old to the family that that ran the plantation. My biological maternal grandfather was the foreman of the plantation. And so all of the workers there that ran the plantation, they had a thriving copra industry um, there as well as export and import of fruits and you know the beef and the cattle that were there fed the students at Liahona. Um, and so at five years old, my, uh, I was actually three when I was adopted and my parents had the law changed in Tonga with Queen Salote. Mm -hmm. And so I was the first child adopted outside of the Tongan community. And so before me, you could only adopt, you know, our Tongan tradition of adoption. Right. Um, but my parents, my dad always tells me, you know, it cost us $5 Tongan to have the law changed. We, had dinner with Queen Salote and explained to her that we wanted to adopt you and that the law was prohibiting from, the, from that happening. And so now the term I think in academia is that we are uh, transracial adoptees. Mm. So children that have been raised outside of their ethnic community. Um, and so we left there, my parents worked for the LDS church, ran the church's dairy farm Mm -hmm. uh, in Templeview, New Zealand. Um, and then my two, they, so I have four older brothers and sisters. So all four of them were already in college here in the United States and it just left me at home. And there's 10 years between my brother and I. So my parents decided it was time to come back to the United States. Uh, my dad is from a city called Vernal, which is an oil town, East Utah. Right now there's about a hundred thousand people uh, in the middle of the mountains where I grew up. So I grew up riding my bike all day, hunting, fishing, um, camping, uh, very different than what my ethnic background um, was, which I had never really met any Tongans. Hmm. Um, I had never met anyone that looked like me. Um, it's predominantly white still to this day in Vernal, Utah. 
next to us is a reservation. It's called Roosevelt Duchesne. And so my mom started a summer program. Um, she would go and teach workshops, uh, summer school. And I didn't realize that that was for me to have kids that were my own color that looked like me. And I mm -hmm. just thought I was her helper. And so we would do summer programs um, and it was all native kids. And so I grew up with native American kids and, you know, I didn't know the difference between Hagen, Samoa, Native American. And then I went to college uh, in San Francisco where my first introduction of my own ethnic race, and it wasn't easy, right? Like, where did I fit in? Right. All my right. life, I wanted to be Tongan. And then I got there and I was like, okay, I look like them, but our experiences are so different. And um, I had a really hard time fitting in and my identity issues started, right? Teenage yeah. years. And I kind of floated around making some really bad decisions and where I fit in, in life. Um, and then through just life in itself, uh, I think going in and out of jail uh, may have been some help for me. Uh, I remember the day uh, that it kind of, I think one of my last trips to jail, I remember I got in a fist fight over a religious book. Right, I ended, right. I ended up in the hole for a week. And I remember sitting there saying, okay, when I'm out, I don't even know where this religious book is. So why is that book so important to me? Right. And then I realized that the Lord was putting me in time out for me to have some time to think about where I was headed because I was about to go down a path that there may have not been a return for me. So on that, it was like, oh, epiphany <laughs> just happened while I was sitting in jail. And I got out, got rid of my living boyfriend, started going back to church, started getting my life back in order. But because of my, I had had really good corporate jobs, but because of some of my choices, I couldn't do the same work. And right. so what led me to business was because of those felonies. So I decided, well, I was making other people rich. They got to figure this out. So I started uh, creating travel agencies and I would build travel agencies and sell them. I was a good salesperson and um, it had done very well in, in that industry. And it just, I think, I had gotten married, had a really bad relationship with domestic violence. You know, I had been married to Tongan men and um, none of them, except for my marriage with Simi, has ended up to be, uh, I guess, healthy. And I think that that, again, was the difference in culture, right? Mm. And um, when I married Simi 10 years ago and moved to Utah, I thought I am coming to the Mecca of Polynesians. Right. What am I going to do here? I'm going to be in a situation where people aren't going to like me. They're not going to understand me. What do I do? So when we got here, um, you know, Simi got, I, I needed some services for domestic violence. My ex-husband, who was my abuser, lived here. His whole family lived here. How was I going to face that? 
Right. Because I thought I would never come back to Utah. But after 30 years, I came back here and found out there weren't any services for Pacific Island women. Mm. So how many Susies had there been in 30 years? And I just couldn't believe that. So we went to a national AAPI domestic violence uh, conference. I wanted to see what was going na on nationally. And, um, and this is where Simi got this idea. He wanted to do Kavitas, a mm. knowledge above violence altogether. He wanted to go and talk to men about how do we define violence from where we were raised, what our culture says, and what, our, what the law says here. And then, do we like this? Is this working in our families? Is this working right. in our communities? And if it's not, what do we do about it? And he came back and got six men, Tongan men certified as Utah domestic violence advocates. They were the first men, men in the state of Utah. And I thought, I said to him, I'll be the best secretary and have years of nonprofit and through my volunteer work that I've done as I've been healing. Um, but you know, this is a men's group. They're gonna do it in the Kava circles. I I'm, can't go there. And what ended up happening is women started calling. It was mm. not what we intended. This was supposed to be a men's group about men for men, but women started calling. And we would spend hours a day talking to women, just listening. And then we started our first Pacific Island uh, women's empowerment group. And once a week we would meet. And again, it was just to give women a safe space to talk, to share, and then to bring resources. And that is how PICTAR started, was with Kava Talks and then supporting the women and getting them to their higher ground and in a safe place for them and their children. And all of the other programs that have come along with this, um, I had volunteered for many years through my healing in shelters. Um, I was a peer specialist in, and so pulling my business background and my love for community and what I was trying to do here, we created PICTAR, Pacific Island Knowledge to Action Resources, it was Simi, myself, my intern, who was a single mom, Samoan, who'd gone back to college. And uh, I was done. Like, I had said, like, these people don't like me. I'll just go. I'm really comfortable in the white world. Right, right. I understand how to navigate that. I know how to do that. Um, this is really hard for me. And my intern said, you have experienced what we're going through if you will just drop down a few generations and help us college students figure out how we navigate through this system and code switch, how do we be, be successful in, because you obviously, you know, have figured this out. I'm like, well, I don't know if I figured it out. I think I'm just a lot older than all of you. And she said to me, but you've done it. And however way, and we need some help navigating and understanding what we don't understand. And she said, I will learn, I will help, I will do if you will teach. And so I said, I'll give you five years. We're in our sixth year this year. And I think there's gonna be a national search for a new executive director and CEO of PICTAR. And I am going to turn my efforts in PICTAR Tonga and um, take the programs that we've done here and take it to Tonga um, and see what we can do there as well. 
so that's kind of like in a in a nutshell of how we got here and i have implemented the years of learning in corporate america and seeing what works in nonprofit and what doesn't work and then understanding what i needed what people mm. need and it was really hope and dignity in all mm. the services when you look at homeless work before i came here I was in East Palo Alto working in homeless. What every person needs is to have dignity and to have hope. And so everything we do is around, we are smart people. We know what's wrong. Half the time we just can't identify that. And right. so learning ourselves first and, look, and looking ourselves square in the face in the mirror and saying, these are some really great things about me and I, and I can't figure out these other things over here. And so, you know, at PICTAR, in our empowered living services, we have case managers, we have community health workers, we have two support groups with Pavitox, our Pacific Island Women's Empowerment Group. And interesting that came out of that is many women said that were mixed. My mom is white. She married a Polynesian right. and she comes to this group. And the Pacific Island women said, no, there are a ton of white groups out there. Go find their own. Right. But we said there are reasons that women that are married to Pacific Islanders can't find culturally relevant because if they go to a mainstream support group, they're not going to find what they need. Right. right. And so now we have we do is in our data, I just pulled our data. In the last uh, six months, we have serviced 465 people and their families. We have redistributed $60,000 back into our community through um, COVID um, assistance, through helping with funerals, with rental assistance since COVID is starting. And so our, I'm really proud of our Empowered Living Service program that we provide and really are the foundation of the work we do and the values that we share uh, that are culturally relevant. That is phenomenal. What just an amazing feat to be able to do what you've done, not only in terms of uh, PICTAR, but I love how you always, and in, in your bio and how you talk, like this is an internal change and transformation within with outward performance and results. It starts from the inside of the person. It starts within the community. It starts with looking in the mirror and taking self-evaluation to be accountable before any transformation can take place. In that, what has been the challenges, Susie? What has been the challenges? And let's start with your personal life. And you're saying it's like this meet Jesus moment when you're in prison, right? And I, I, I know from scripture where, where it is just renowned where Saul, the biggest killer of Jews on the road to Damascus has this transformative, he's blinded, right? And becomes Paul and, and, and becomes, falls to the ground. For you, that when you were talking about being in prison and being in the hole, how, how did that all manifest and start with the challenges that became your opportunities 
and became, hey, this is how I learned to be this. Can you talk about that, please, Susie? Yeah. So, you know, I, I went, I asked myself, when have I been the happiest in my life? Mm. What I realized is when I was growing up as a child, you know, I come from a very privileged white family that was very structured. Mm. So all of those things that my mom and father had put in place was made it very easy for me to revert back. Family prayer was at this time in the morning, we read our scriptures, we had breakfast, we went to school, we came home, did these things. And I am grateful for them that they were repetitive and structured that they, the way they were. I often tell parents that feel like they have youth that have gone astray. I always say, I was one of those youth and they right. can't believe it, right? right and right. the way that I found my way back was that my parents had put the structure together for me to find my way back. And so as a parent, it, you may think that it's not working what you're doing, but keep doing it. Keep loving, even if it's hard and you think they're not paying attention. A child like me that thinks back to themselves and says, this was success back then, I was able to put myself back on track right. because of their learning. That's right. My parents were probably shocked that, you know, when I tell them that, but they had done everything they could have in their power. And I always yeah. tell parents when I work with them, stop coddling your children. Had my parents just said, drop, you just, you then hit the bottom. The faster you hit the bottom, the faster you will be able to get out of it. Right? Right, right. And, and so when my, you know, I would, I would say all kinds of things. I was the child that I'm glad, I used to tell my Tongan mom, um, I'm really glad that you didn't raise me because you would probably have killed me because, you know, I was allowed to speak my mind. I was allowed to, you know, uh, my, I was raised LDS. And so I would use the scriptures to against my parents and say, you know, you, I, I learned today that I have free agency. So I'm choosing <laughs> right, 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 right. I'm choosing to drink and smoke because you said you've never done it. And I don't know that it's bad for me. So I'm going to choose to do that since I have free agency now. Right. right? Um, and so I have always been a child that couldn't learn things by just people telling, you know. And, you know, when I left home, my dad gave me a father's blessing and said, Susie, if you get to heaven, it's because you did it yourself. If I could get you there, you'd already be there. Mm. And we hope that we've taught you those skills to take care of yourself. We just want you to be happy, whether it's in church or not in church or this or that. We've done our job at this point. And that wow. to me was like, wow, okay, I can do whatever I want to. But what I found was what I was truly looking for, I had to go full circle, right? Because it was exactly what I was raised on. Right, right. And well, and, and even though, as you know, as a, as a serial entrepreneur in selling successful businesses that only success breeds success. But on the other hand, the road to success is both failure and success. And even though only success breeds success, processes, protocols, procedures, like you said, structures, like you do these things 
And then this is the output. But then also, you know, life struggle, failure, embarrassment, and failing over and over again really is the faculty of life that teaches us like no success can. And then only through experiencing the dark can you really appreciate the light. Only going through and making, having freedom of agency, right, Susie? And making the wrong choices and seeing the consequences of our choices or did how our decisions impact our destiny, can we now appreciate the good in life? Talk about that, Susie. Come on, that's some well, real talk, right? Really, I don't really believe anymore that there are mistakes. Right. I think that those are challenges for us to learn because that's how we get the skills that is needed for the future. Right. And I can say that because I'm almost 60 years old at this point, right? And it's been 22 years since I got a felony. Right. It took me 19 years to actually be awarded. When the FBI called me to give me this award, I thought they were lying. I said, right, oh, right. no, I'm not coming to your office for no fingerprints. There's something <laughs> that come up in my past. And I'm not coming to do that at all, right? And um, I, I, don't, I believe, really believe that all challenges are not mistakes, that we take those challenges and we stand on them and not let them bury us. That is, I think, the struggle, is how do we face those things? And you know, I, I tell people now that I work with in business, sometimes you just gotta pick the big girl panties on and have that conversation, right? right? right. And like, if you can't have that conversation, then you weren't made to be in business. If you can't negotiate a win-win situation when you you failed on your end, but if you have built a relationship with your with your investors, with the people, with your clients, they will appreciate that you come back. I have had um, many. I lost track of a guy that lent me thirty thousand dollars for a business. Just reconnected with him, and I thought to myself, "Oh my gosh, I owe this guy thirty thousand dollars." Right. And I called him up on the phone and I said, hey, dude, like, I was so glad that you were in this meeting. But something that told me, I owe you $30,000. You know what he said to me? He what did said he say? Me, he said, that was probably one of the best 30000 I invested in you because I see what you've been able to do. And if it helped you for that 30000 my you're paid in full with me. I That's haven't seen awesome. this guy... I hadn't seen this guy for like 15 years. Right. And when he said the fact that you even remembered and that you called me up after we had lost contact, he says, again, what kind of character you have. And so yeah. I tell people it's about the character you have. And when you've made some mistakes, like I had done, the only way to overcome that is making good decisions with each person you meet. And one after the other, you will then have a group of people that when somebody says, oh, did you know Susie did this? I'm like, I don't know about that, but I know this about her, right? Right, yeah. There is no easy way around this. There is That's no right. shortcut. And I see too many people of our young people trying to fake it till they make it. Mm. And to me, there is no such thing as fake it till you make it. You figure out who you are and where your values are. And then you emulate them. Sometimes you have to say no to a deal. 
right? That's right. And I say, I say all the time, you know, good money is not always good money. Yeah. Right. Not and all so, money. That's a domino. That's a domino's uh, expression right there. Yeah. Correct. And um, I have, you know, my idea of business is because I didn't have money is that I had to learn how to use other people's money, That's which right. means I needed to build trust. That means I needed to have outcomes so that people would invest in me and what I, my beliefs were. And because of that, I'm going to say proudly that PICTAR as a nonprofit is almost at a million dollars revenue. Right. Right? Through donations, through grants, through, and it is honestly the team. We have 25 staff members um, that all get a paycheck from PICTAR that love what they do. It is people are equal to profits. And in my That's book, right. often people are more important than profits. That's right. right. Especially when you're trying to build a community. I always say we build people who build families, who build businesses that build a community. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. what we are trying to do. And I believe that we can do that. Um, for too many years, I had this corporate mind and then I have this nonprofit moral mind. Right. And, and I read a scripture once that said that we should we should be the same. I shouldn't, we shouldn't be in silos. How can I be a corporate person, but not also have the light of Christ in me? Right. How can I be a Sunday, go to church on Sunday and forget what I did Monday through Saturday? Right. And so I learned to start merging those two so that I was the same person that was showing up at a corporate meeting, was the same person that went to church on Sunday. Those were the two same Susie. That's right. Once I was able to do that and merge myself, and I was the same person showing up everywhere. That's so right. when I stand up in Washington, D.C., and I say, what about my community? How come you're the big AA and we're the little PI? Right. What's different from you? Where's the money coming to us? Right? right. Then I, I, I feel like that was kind of one of those turning points. The other thing is, learning who I was, learning right. who my ancestors were. I didn't know that. I didn't know that my Auntie Bapiloa was one of the first women in parliament in Tonga. I didn't know that my Bloomfield family owned businesses, my great, great grandfather. Those things helped me learn whose shoulders I'm standing on, mm. right? That's right. I am their blood, even though I was adopted and didn't understand that. That is in our DNA. Yeah. And us Tongan Pacific Islanders, we are all leaders. We were born leaders. I believe that. It's now how do we lead and where yeah. are we leading people to? Right? I think no. analyzing that. That is phenomenal. Those are some great points, Susie. Touch on this for those that are listening that find that they are not Tongan enough for their family. They're I not Tongan. Come on, that. come on, Susie. This is some real yeah. talk, right? It's like, right. this is the challenge of the, the crabs in the bucket within mm -hmm. our community that I feel like you're supposed to be humble. You're supposed to be willing just to, I mean, uh, the Balangis and the people in the communities and my network that give out of their prosperity. As Tongans, we are demanded to give out of our 
poverty, from nothing. We, we are taught that we're supposed to, because of our age, and if there's someone in, in higher ranking than us, either our fahu or somebody's royal family or nobody, like you're not supposed to speak. You should be humble, respect all, right? But then in the business world, that does not translate to progress, right? For fighting for your rights. But then you're told when you do those things that make you successful, oh, you're not Tongan enough. You're too Balangi. You're too Uli Uli. You're trying to be like this. Yeah, come on, Susie. How, what's so I'm going to, yeah, this tell is a people big about that? thing. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't even know what being Tongan was. Right. And so when I went to California and I kept thinking, why do people say these things to me? And why do they look at me? What I recognized first was no matter how we feel on the inside, it is other people's stereotypes and their unconscious bias that they're sizing us up that's right right everywhere uh, yeah. to do with us who we are where we what our backgrounds are it is all about what they think and so when people would look at me or whatever i just was like you know i'm learning my own culture um i, I also believe that there is a happy medium mm. One of, the, one of the things that I have truly figured out here is we all want to give to our families. That's so right. that means we have to budget. Right, right. I had a professor from Wyoming who is Balangi, um, knows every language. And he said he had a student come to him and said, I'm about to marry a Polynesian woman. What, you know, what, what do, what's your advice? And his advice was, how much do you love her? in dollars and cents that you can afford. Right. And he said, $5,000. She said, okay, divide that out by 12. And I would suggest that you put that money away in your bank. So when her family calls and asks, you have it. Right, right. <laughs> right. Just budget it in, into your, into your life. The other thing I'd say is it is okay to say no. Right, no doubt. It is okay to say no. And we have to shift our culture. When we do educational um, workshops, this is what we say to our community when we work with them. These are options that we're giving you. If things are working well in your family for you and everybody, keep doing it. If it's not working well for you, here are some options that right. may help you be a better father, mother, grandma, right? Is it working for everybody? that's right. involved here. And again, this is you build your own family and your sister's family, your brother's family, they are not gonna be the same. And what works for them may not work for you. And that's okay. That's right. Right? No, that's great. And yeah, great. Keep going, That's Susan. where I think where we are lacking and how do we merge? I love our Tongan culture. I am very proud to be Tongan, right? And I try to, to I have been to Tonga since Marine City, been there several times and understand those practices now in Tongan context and understand now how they've moved here to America um, and that, but we don't live there anymore, right? And that there are some things and if your focus should be your family, but you have a responsibility to your own flesh and blood in your own four walls first, it's like that oxygen on a plane. 
breathe first, then give it to the other person. Right. 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 And, and so we take that concept is you can help people. I tell college kids or kids that are looking at going to college, put in four years if this is what your choice is. College is not for everybody. But if you can do this, do four years, get out and you can help your family better. But yeah, if yeah. not, get a different, go to a trade school, get some kind of education. If you truly want to help your family, um, you're going to have, I mean, you have to make a little bit more money and whatever mm -hmm. that you got to have a side hustle. Right. Mm -hmm. But I always go back to, and people will say, I'm very belonging uh, in the way I speak, in the way I think. I, it's okay to say no. Right. No doubt. No doubt. Right? Without yeah. shame or guilt. That's the key though. Is that's being able right. to say no without shame or guilt and to know that your focus is on your family and and what's important to you. Yeah, I, I just I just am really looking forward to the shift in which I talk in front of any Polynesian community is that I don't need you to be successful so that if I need you, I can come to you. I need you to be successful so that if you need you, you could take care of you, right? There's a different mindset there. It's just like, yeah, I, I, am, I am here to serve my family. Yeah, but sometimes that approach of just the cultural obligation, right? It steals so much that we can't become and, and live our best life, create our best experiences for our own families because we give so much of ourselves to our cultural obligations that really have no, or, or the church that other than tithe, I do what I do. I tithe and I do what I do. And the Lord has really been a blessing to my wife and I. But saying no and, and having an understanding amongst nine of my siblings have really been where like, man, you know, my, the youngest of us is like, man, we don't need you to be successful so you can help us. We need you to be successful so you can help you. Right, Susie? Has you, have you seen a shift like that start to take place? Because like you said, Utah is the Mecca and I, I, I wouldn't know if it would be for Polynesians for me, but definitely Tongans, right? There is no other FBI agents that I've seen other than the Salt Lake office. I've never seen people like uh, Fotu who used to serve in, in government there or the Mor Mor Moronis that are there that build all of the church uh, facilities all over the world, right? Like his construction company. I haven't seen people at that level anywhere else to the to to the amount of people like that yeah. and that got that oh, kind of cheddar like in utah right am i wrong or right yeah no no you're right and that's i i we are blessed in utah that we've got lawyers doctors immigration yeah. lawyers when i need a resource i got a polynesian that i can reach out to right, right. and you know, LCSW, psychiatrists, like we got it here, which is beautiful. Um, I, I hope that it does spread out uh, in the community. And because of that, they're all stretched out so thin. Yeah. Again, giving back to the community. Every one of these very successful people are spread so thin um, in doing diversity work. 
and helping their own families. Mm-hmm. But I, I believe there's a shift. A couple of things that I've seen some negative shifts. I have never seen more Pacific Islanders in, in shelters. We have mm. more Pacific Islanders. I never ever thought in my lifetime that I would ever see Pacific Islanders in shelters, especially Tongans, mm. you know, but we now have young women leaders that are picking up their kids, girls in shelters and dropping them off uh, to attend church functions, um, which is a very scary thought, right? Mm-hmm. So as we have these ideas of like, we're going to say no, and we are not going to help, I can't help but think that that is dividing in some instances that may be maybe attributing to why we have people in shelters. I have met young people in shelter parking lots where both parents live here and both grandparents live in this state. And when I say, why don't you want to, you know, first go to your family and they say, because he his family doesn't like me and my family doesn't like her because of these things. And so we're choosing to go to the shelter, right? Right, And so I think this may be some of those negative effects when we start to be independent mm. and start saying, no, we, we can't do that. We're, we're trying to just feed our own family right now. We can't do that anymore. And so I, I, do, I do see some shifts, but I, I believe there's gonna be some negative effects on that for a bit um, before we see some positive stuff here. But that is, that is my hope. I think the, the kids that are in college right now um, and you see more kids in college now are living on their own. Before in my generation, I was like a Tongan girl that had her own home. That was crazy, right? I remember my Tongan mom saying, you know how embarrassing you are? Right, right. You have place. Like girls, good girls don't do that. Right, and right, my right, amazing right. was like, I don't want to live with you. I'm 21. I have my own car, my own, you know, house. I don't need to live with you. But that cultural, right, clash. Right. You know, that I have lived through. Now I see more young ladies and more young men having apartments. Right. They're learning independence at a much younger age instead of going from mom and dad's home to being married. Right. Right? Do you right. see that? I see that being able to work, right? It's, I'm seeing more kids. Our youth entrepreneurship program is amazing. We had an eight-year-old that made $1,000 in four hours, right? Yeah. Is that now kids are like, through our programming, I just met with the director of our youth initiatives and she said, oh, we actually had 12 entrepreneurs that are going to be at the event on the end of the month, but right. there should be more. When I was growing up, I didn't know any Polynesian kids that were out selling anything, trying to make a living, offering to go dog, you know, to walk your dog for $5. And, and so I see that the next generation's as, as they learn independence. My hope though, is that they never lose their 
roots and their and to be anchored into their Pacific Island culture, right? Yeah. I have a very strong belief that too many of our people came to this country thinking to do away with all of our information and strengths and that the American way and the white way was right. I keep saying, we didn't come here without strengths. Right. Our they were navigators, they were discoverers all over this world. So we came here in our DNA with strengths already. We came here to build on them, not to start from scratch. Ah, amen, real talk. Right? Is we came here, like I, I talk to now, we have businesses now that are going to the next generation. Had a young man say to me, oh, my dad started this business and he did everything wrong and he barely speaks English. And I said, now let's hold up now. Right. This is, this is a Bob dad that puts you through college, that got you a degree, that put food on your table. That's right. And you go to a foreign country and speak and build a business. Now your job is to step in there and do yeah. whatever. Take it to up. the next level. Yeah, baby, yeah, that's right. You will, I don't want to hear that your dad didn't do it the right way he did it and his business is still, whether it be a yachted business, whether it be a courier business, whatever that business is, even that import export where they're selling gunny sacks full of roots crop. Those are all businesses. And, you know, I tell kids that are now starting to figure out, oh, my mom and dad had a business. Yeah, you should be standing on those shoulders proudly Amen. to level it up. Right? That's why they brought you here. So, you know, that Bob dad, that Bob mom, that's what they did and should be very proud of it. That's right, Susie. In that, to everybody tuning in, thank you so much for tuning in to the Coach V Show. Tonight, we are featuring the Miss Susie Felch, Malo Hifof. Hifo-O, and she is here with us from PICTAR. She's currently the executive director. And, and in that, Susie, well, what, what is your message to the world? My message to the world is root yourself in positive in your ethnicity, right? I believe that there are strengths in every Pacific Island culture. We are leaders and understanding that, that we are here in this country because we were meant to be here. And how do we level up as a people and as a community, as a father, as a mother, as a grandmother, right? Um, and my message is help each other, collaborate, be honest with each other, learn who you are. You, unless you learn who you are and can face your own demons and your own trauma, you, you will not be the best father, mother, business owner, community leader without looking at your own um, biases, unconscious biases. We all have them. Right. Right. Knowing your own strengths, knowing your own weaknesses. As a business owner, I knew that there were some things that I weren't, wasn't good at. Why was I struggling to do that? Contract it out. Get somebody better than me right? Always be looking to learn, get mentors, find the people that you look up to that are the best in your industry. Nine times out of the 10, they will help you. They want to mentor. 
you. Build your team that's going to support you to be the best that you can be. And I say, trust yourself. Mm. I don't, I'm not a believer that the way society says you have to do business needs to be the way to do business. I don't go out and get a loan, right? I find partners that got money, that believe in what I'm doing. And we go out and we make money together. And, and that's probably not the way business is. It is okay to be different. That is your strength. Our uniqueness is our strength, right? And taking those challenges and, and making sure that they build you and level you up and that they don't bury you is so important. Um, I think those are probably three or four things that I would say to any um, person is in our, in our mess, is our message, Mm. right? And I always say is that mess that you may think you're in, there is a message in it that you need to share. There are skills that you need to mentor others, teach others. Um, And I think that I, I have a saying that says each one teach one. Right. Whatever you know, teach the next, right? Give back to your community. Um, I also tell parents this that say to me, I wish I could help you. I say, do the, your job right now is to raise your children because I don't want to be servicing them in 10 years. Right. 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 And I say, you know, all of this community stuff, time and place. I'm 58, almost 60 years old. I have the time. This is my time to give back. You will have that time too when your children are grown. But Right. right now I need parents to do their job as parents. So they're not going out and getting services in 10 to 15 years and going to shelters. Parents do their job. That's awesome. What a great message. That's a great overall message right there, Susie. And then talk to us about how can people find out what PICTAR is? How can they connect with you, get a hold of you? And what are your current programs right now that you're really excited about? So you can always go to our website, www.upi, oh, sorry, pik2ar.org is our website and we've got all of our programming. So we're three prongs. So our empowered living services that I talked to you about, which are direct services, 24 seven care. I mean, our case managers are working hard every every day. Uh, The second thing we do is our Pacific Island Business Alliance. If you have a business, please link up with us. We have three chapters. We have one in Salt Lake County, Utah County, and Arizona. These are all online. We service people. We have micro lending loans that are available. Um, I have a group of investors that have said, if you come across some people that fit this, please let us know. There are people that wanna help our communities. Um, And then the third thing is our Pacifica Enriching Arts of Utah is we have to find things that are positive for our kids and for us to anchor ourselves in. And Mm. we pick the arts. We are amazing singers. We are amazing craftsmen. And I wanted to get away from this whole football, sports. Right, right. Only, like you could do that. Because I mean, Tony Finau 
is, is from Utah. He's from there, right? Yeah. We have, you know, Halotingata is going to be a Hall of Famer probably in football, right? But we have all that. But if that's not you here, right, Susie? Yes. yes. And we wanted to give people something else, especially our kids, to anchor themselves in our Pacific Island culture that was positive. Because too many, when I speak at, at university high school conferences, too many times when I ask kids, what makes you Tongan? What makes you Samoan? It's those fluffy answers. I eat a lot. I can sing. I'm dumb. I've even heard kids say, I'm dumb. And I think, no, you're not dumb. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, that's like, right. Get out of those negative stereotypes um, so that we change that recording in our minds that we can achieve anything, right? right? We are discoverers. We are our grandparents' children. And they navigated this world. We are all discoverers. And so I always want to say, stand on, on, your, on your ancestors' shoulders. Each one of us should know who our ancestors are by mm. name, should know what village you're from, know that history, because with that, will be your strength of your foundation that no one can take that away from you. That's what I had figured out. No matter what I sound like, think like, no one could take away that the blood that runs through my veins is 100% Tongan. And I am, may not be the stereotypical, but that's okay. And once I could get through that hurdle to say, I am Tongan, I'm just different than everybody else. And that's okay. It was like, I'm good. And right. so my message right. to young people is you, you're not faking being nothing, right? You are who you are, where you are today. You don't have to speak the language. You don't have to know how to do a dance because right. the blood right. that runs through your veins is Pacific Islander. And I don't care if it's a drop or full. And I think getting that across to ourselves and to those that have been raised in this country and our youth will go a long ways if we shift from where that social, um, I think, where, the, where society says we are. Right. Right. We shift that. And I think for too long, we've been waiting for other people to tell us it's okay. Right. That's right. That's right. right. We shift up. Thank you, Susie, for that. And then finally, shout outs. What are your shout outs? Shout out your team. Shout out who you want. Who can we shout out on Coach V's show? Oh, my gosh. I would say the whole team at Pictar, every one of the leaders um, of our programs. And, you know, we have so many, but they know who they are. I would say that my partners um, nationally in the Asian American Pacific Island, the Bill Amadas, you know, the Walmarts, the Comcasts, all of these guys that have partnered with me that believe that the Pacific Island community needs a space nationally that have been our forerunners, but our partners. Um, I would say, you know, both my Tongan parents and my Falangi parents who it took, I always say, I was so such a difficult child. I needed two sets of parents to raise me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> with both of them, um, you know, that's who I, I stand on their shoulders uh, as well. And my amazing husband who, you know, has built, 
I think without him, we would have never even started PICTAR. Sincerita'o, uh, who was my intern, who was one of the founders of PICTAR, she has been um, an amazing advocate and workhorse with us. No, that is awesome. I appreciate you coming on the show. And that is our time. Um, Susie, I, I want to thank you again, uh, just for who you are and what you do and that you are that to all of us. The residual of nationally of the choices that you make have really had a resounding effect uh, to a person here that's broadcasting out of Hollywood, but lives in uh, with a multinational, multiracial family where my wife is Hafkas Uriuli and Balangi, and then my kids are half Tongan that we can look to something and that we are okay being who we are. And that's okay to be focused on us, help your family, but we are, we are Tongan. And that's why I reached out to you um, coming back from Disneyland, just uh, my family and I were at Disneyland uh, on vacation. And then my wife and I celebrated our 14th anniversary and just going through my network of people that I had a short amount of time to get a show in and all of the things it is that you have done, the example of which you are. Because, right, we tell this to our kids all the time and uh, the parents is, you know, kids will only do partly what you tell them to. Right. But they will do 100 percent of what they see you do eventually, not when you want them to. But they will come back. We all come back to the modeling it is that we saw from our parents after we go astray and kind of try to figure out our own road. So thank you for all you do to pick tar. Um, Coach V and, and my brand, I look forward to partnering with you and what it is that you guys are doing anytime that you feel that I can bring value on air, I'm telling you, I would love to bring value to what you're doing. I feel like there's an alignment between my foundation and what we do for kids through sports and what you're trying to do in the community there through every avenue possible is just awesome. So uh, really mad respects to you and how you've leveled up going into your 60s that you're still doing that. I've met Simi online and I'm just a huge fan of him and all he's done and what you both represent. So thank you for coming on the show. So Coach V Show family, thank you so much for everybody for tuning in here on the Coach V Show every Mono Motivation Monday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the YouTube channel here on Island City broadcast out of Dash Radio, Hollywood Studios, and also on my Facebook Live. Shout out to Pictar and also Miss Susie Felch. Malohifo for coming on the Coach V Show where iron sharpens iron. Together we rise. Until next Mono Motivation Monday, we will see you again soon. It is your girl, Susie, and your boy, Coach V, from here in California and Utah, bidding you all one love, mad respects. Until next time, as Susie says, may we all level up. Peace. Peace.